I'm Arvi. And I'm Anika and you're listening to Why Book. In today's episode, we will be talking about Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. So, how are you? I'm good. It's been a little hectic lately. Uh, we're back to online school though, so I've had plenty of time yeah. to, you know, sit around at home reading on the Kindle between classes and watch TV and all that good stuff. What about you? Are you sure? Are you sure it's between classes and not during? Uh, no comment. What about you? <laughs> uh, my school hasn't started yet, so we don't know if it's going to be online or not. But since the COVID cases are rising, probably online. So that's sad. It's for everybody's safety. Yeah, true. Um, what are you reading? I have actually not been reading a lot. I know I said at the beginning of our last episode, or the last to last one, that I was so excited to have holidays and be reading a lot, <laughs> and then I just finished the book I was already reading. Oh. That's literally all I've done so far. It was a good book. It ended well. However... Okay, what is the book? Uh, Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagen. It was a good book. Um, I felt like it could be more creatively written because sometimes it's read like a non-fiction book. Uh. But otherwise, the story was like really inspiring. It's about these two feminist friends who decide to start a club at their uh, progressive school. which Because their school is not all that progressive really and it has the same problems that the rest of the world sometimes does. So mm-hmm. it's about how they kind of inspire their community to be better to women and people of different colors and races and sexualities and all of that. So it's a really inspiring book. And yeah, it was a good read. What have you been reading? I'm on my third book of 2022. No Shade Throne. And Are you sure about that? And, yeah, Shade Throne. Shade Throne. Yes, on a read because... Have you even read anything in the new year? Yes, I read the second half of the book. Now I'm reading The Dark Artifice is the first one, which is Lady Midnight. So if you have listened to our last episode, which is Best Books of 2021, which came out on the last day of the year, I mentioned many Cassandra Clare books because I love her books. So basically, they're all fantasy and they're all set in one world where there are shadow hunters who are like elite hunters who are made to fight demons and the dark artifice is one of the many series she's written it came out after the infernal devices i think and it is about five years after the events of the mortal instruments and so far it's really good but it's a really long book it's 667 pages oh my god yeah i read the lord of the rings and that was like a thousand pages but then 600 is a lot for a book that hasn't had to be divided into a trilogy. Yeah, that's true. And I think all three of the books are that big. Whoa. So, good luck to me. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Let's get into it. Trigger warning, this book has mentions of alcohol and one of the characters drinks a bit too much. As well as other things that are present in usual young adult novels. So... Just don't read it if you're, like, under 13, I suppose. Also, spoiler warning, we're obviously going to be talking about everything that happens in this book. We're going to be discussing all the points. And if you're planning on reading the book, please don't listen to the podcast. So here's a summary. 
Um, Simon Spear is just your average 16-year-old boy. He loves to eat Oreos, has a minor role in the school play, and really loves music. Except he's also gay, and no one knows. So when an anonymous gay person posts on the school's Tumblr, Simon decides to take the risk and email the person. Except Blue, who is the person, that's his pen name, is smart and funny and has perfect grammar, and soon Simon's fallen head over heels. So when someone catches a glimpse of a conversation with Blue and decides to hold it over Simon's head, he's forced to decide just how far he will go to protect the identity of the boy he loves. Okay, so moving on to our favorite lines in the book. I changed this segment's name from favorite paragraph to favorite lines because we always pick like two sentences and it seemed hypocritical to say paragraph at this point. Okay, so I actually listened to this book because I went somewhere on holiday and if I read in the car, I get sick. So I actually wrote down one line that I really liked. But then now that I look at my phone, I can't find it. So these are also lines that I like. And I would have said them as well as that one, but I can't find that one. So here are mine. Straight people should have to come out too. And the other one is why straight and white the default. These are not direct quotes, but this is basically the gist of what they said. And I think it really like stands for something, you know, why is it the default? Why do we always assume that everyone is straight? And why, when we see someone who's like not white, why is that seen as something different, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And this is something that um, Blue said, uh, why is straight and white the default? And I completely agree with him. This is one of the emails to each other. My favorite line is, People really are like houses with vast rooms and tiny windows. And maybe it's a good thing, the way we never stop surprising each other. So I like this line because A of the metaphor, it's a really good metaphor. If you think of a person as a house with a roof over their head, like that's their protective layer of the walls, they won't let you in unless you try. And they have rooms, so they have multiple branching interests and they have small windows. And maybe if you, if they let you, you can peep into one of those windows and catch a glimpse of the person. But otherwise, you just see the house. You don't see what's going on inside the house. That's actually a really great quote, you know, because... It is. You never know what's going on with the person inside. You just see their exterior. Yeah. And, and also, you don't judge the house for how it looks or what it's like inside. I'm just saying. That's true. So those were our favorite lines. And... Now, moving on to some strong opinions about the book or thoughts about anything. Okay, so my first opinion might be a little bit controversial. I think that Simon is a bit of a joke for the first 75% of the book. He realizes around 75% in, he doesn't know very much about his family or his friends. Okay, he knows about his family, but he doesn't know about his friends. He doesn't know some things about his friends' families or about what they like in some cases. And for the first 75% of the book, he's basically just so involved with his own life and his own problems that he doesn't really, like, talk to other people about theirs as much. Because although he's a Hufflepuff, okay, and I'm a Hufflepuff too, and I, you know, we're social people, we care about others a lot, but... I feel like Simon isn't really doing that for some of the way. 
yeah he he does grow though as a character he learns to kind of ask once he's realized he goes to each of his friends and he asks them the questions that he realizes he doesn't know the answers to it's a good arc though he he does develop a little yeah i guess simon gets so wrapped up in his whole world he doesn't also when martin starts blackmailing him to try and get like abby to be with him he doesn't think of what abby is feeling like how abby would feel if someone just thrust someone at her and say here date him so yeah and abby does get mad at him for that which he deserves and then he grows from it he does blue in the whole of the book you don't get to know who blue is only like at the end the last few chapters you know that blue is bram greenfeld who is uh, the soccer guy who's shy and quiet and i just love his character throughout the book i mean he seems like the kind of guy that would be perfect for simon you know cuz simon can get like he can overthink quite a bit someone to just mellow him down and also just the way bram speaks the way he does things uh, i feel like he's a really great character and he's probably my favorite yeah he's a bit of a raven claw i think he's kind of methodical and like quiet about it he's really intelligent too yeah and it's not influenced by the fact that i'm a raven claw too i didn't know he would be a raven claw he does kind of seem like one doesn't he i don't know if he's actually a raven claw this is a guess yeah maybe my next strong opinion is that martin addison who is the guy who's blackmailing simon he made some decisions that were absolutely horrendous and obviously this is evidenced by the fact that i just said that he was blackmailing simon yeah so i just kind of want to talk about that i suppose i feel like he could have had a better character arc because although like although he does like apologize to simon mm-hmm. he says that he's the one who took the post down he he sorry that he did all of this and he also says something mildly sweet if he didn't have the background that he did he says that if i could have if i could go back and do it i would blackmail you into being my friend that's a weird line actually now that i think about it uh, yeah. but <laughs> basically he he made some really really poorly informed decisions yeah i mean his motivation was not really very justifiable see so i think martin was so wrapped up in like dating abby that he didn't think of what he was doing to simon cuz he does mention that his brother's gay and i mean yeah why would you do something like that if your brother was gay too no but why would you do something like that anyways like yeah leave out that like that part like why would you do something like that why would you blackmail someone with screenshots wanting to out him yeah because he's not even that kind of a person okay he's a class clown he's this really really goofy guy who is clumsy he's like physically clumsy and he's sort of the person who will do anything to get a laugh out of somebody and he's not really the kind of guy that you would think would do something like that so i suppose it was just kind of a nasty thing throughout the story yeah and i'm not saying that martin is justified in any way but simon i think simon like could have told abby about it i know that kind of defeats the point of being safe from the blackmailing but he could have done something else instead of just going along with martin yeah i mean he did eventually come out to abby first before anybody else so i mean i know he wasn't ready to do it earlier and i know it's a it's a step basically revealing a part of your identity to someone 
and so you have to be ready for something like that. But he could have at least told her that he didn't have to reveal all the details. He could have said that Martin is holding something over my head because obviously I don't want anybody to know. I'll tell you in my own good time. And I just want you to know, kind of make me set you up with him. And I just say, I, I need help. Can you please help me out with this? I don't know what to do. I'm scared. And he didn't do that. And then that hurt Abby. Yeah, it really hurt Abby. I mean, I can just imagine her like... Yeah. Figuring out that, you know, Simon did something like that to her. And Simon's like a really close friend of ours. So that must have hurt a lot. Moving on to the casting. There's already a movie, which I have watched. Urvi hasn't watched yet. And I didn't really like the movie. Bram in the movie was not who I imagined him to be in the book. Which is mainly one of the reasons I don't like the movie. There are a lot of events that happen in the movie that just don't seem in sync with what happens in the book. But I think that the movie had some great elements too. The actor who played Simon actually played him really well. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the casting. Uh, when We haven't actually taken anyone from the movie. This is completely different people. I couldn't find many because whenever I think of that character, I think of the character from the movie. So so most of these are Urvis. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. For Simon, I thought Tom Holland would be a perfect fit. And I don't know what is up with me casting Tom Holland as a gay person. No, both of us, both of us just, just love Tom Holland. We did, we cast him for Cooper also. Oh yeah, he's also gay. Yeah. I don't know. He's just a really, really good actor. And I think that he would play like Simon's, because uh, Peter Parker, who he plays in the MCU, Spider-Man, is a very like, he's turned the character into this very like confused, sort of gentle. Funny. Yeah, he's basically, I think he would like bring that into Simon, you know, and like do the same thing for Simon. And I think he's done that really well for Peter. So maybe he'll do it for Simon too. Yeah. So that's why I cast him mostly. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's been in, um, obviously, Spider-Man. He's also been in this movie called Cherry on Apple Plus, uh, a movie called Uncharted, which is coming out soon. He's been in many other Marvel movies. Yeah. Chaos Walking. Now, moving on to Abby. So, I think that Tamara Smart would be perfect to play Abby. So, she's been in The Worst Witch, which is the Netflix TV series. She's been in A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, Artemis Fowl, Are You Afraid of the Dark, and many other movies and TV series. She, in The Worst Witch, played this sort of troublemaker of the main character's trio. Because of that, I think she would really, like, play Abby's playful nature really well. I can see Tamara playing Abby. I think she'd play a really great Abby. I don't know why. Just, like, the look of her. Yeah. Moving on to Leah. I think that this actress called Merit Layton would be perfect to play Leah. She's been in Alexa and Katie, which is a TV series on Netflix. As well as, uh, I think she played a role in Sophia the First. I don't know, actually. I don't think it's something about her acting that appeals to me. I think it's just, like, her appearance. She looks like she could play Leia well. I I don't even know why. (laughs) Yeah, she could. Okay, so I'm uh, gonna cast Cal. So Cal is this guy in the movie who Simon thinks may be blue. Like, in the book, he thinks it may be blue. Cal does turn out to be bisexual, but he's not blue, obviously. So I thought Noah Schnapp could play Cal, if you don't know Noah Schnapp. He has been in 
Stranger Things, which is going to release at season four, and he's been in Hubie Halloween. He actually played the main character in the Snoopy and Charlie Brown movie. I just think he has that kind of look. Cal kind of seems innocent, you know. In the book, I kind of feel him as like this innocent side character. I think Noah Schnapp could play him really well. Yeah, it doesn't look like how I imagine Cal, but then I couldn't find anybody else. So you know what? Let's go with him. <laughs> Okay, so for Nick, I thought that this person called Riss Matthew Bond could play him really well. He actually played a character called Nick in this other series that I watched, which was called Good Witch. For some reason, he just looks like a Nick to me. I don't know, I can just visualize Nick as him. Starred in a lot of, lot of Good Witch movies, as well as uh, Heartland and Detective McLean. I can't see him playing Nick. Because he's not what I imagined while reading the book. And after watching the movie, I can't see this guy playing Nick. So I can because Leon the Offbeat. Uh, Nick kind of becomes a more angsty character, I think. Because he goes through some things related to Leah's story. Uh, and I feel like he would do this well. I don't know why. Maybe. Agree to disagree. Yes. So for Bram, I thought that... Nathaniel J. Potwin could play him very well. So he um, played the role of Ryan in Alexa and Katie, as well as Five Points, Twist of Faith, A World Away, Girl Meets World. I don't know, there's just something about his seemingly easy demeanor that looks like he could play Bram well. I can't explain it. I can't explain anything about my casting choices, full stop. Okay, so I have a very set image of Bram in my head, like just by reading the book and listening to the audio, and I don't think any actor could fit that, but this guy comes pretty close. Okay. Do you live in Creekwood? Do you want a place to catch up on all the news? You're looking for Creek Secrets. Creekwood High's very own Tumblr. Get ready for juicy secrets, confessions, and for everyone to spill the tea. Be sure not to find us on tumblr.com. Moving on to one thing we'd change if we didn't the book. I think I'm the only one who came up with something for this. So one thing I would change if I didn't the book is I would give Nora, who's um, Simon's younger sister, more focus. Because Simon was so preoccupied with his own social life and his situation with Blue the entire time that Nora kind of faded into the background despite being his sister and sharing a house with him. And even as a character, it's clear that he and Nora aren't very close. And he's really, really surprised when at the end of the book, she turns out to be a guitarist in this band. He didn't know the entire time she was going to rehearsals. And I don't know, I feel like she's kind of flat as a character in the book. And I'm sure that she might have a really, really interesting take on things. And I'd love to know her perspective, maybe like get a sequel with her being the main character in Creekwood after Simon and his friends have all graduated. Or, I don't know. Nora is, seems to be interesting and I want more of her. That would actually be really cool because I love Nora as a character. She seems really amazing. She's like this person who just then becomes this really, really amazing guitarist. Like, she just, like, magically appears in a band her entire family does not know. Yeah, and even in even in Leia on the offbeat, she doesn't really come as a main character. She's always, like, on the sidelines. Yeah. And it'd be really cool to see what she's thinking. Now moving on to a song that embodies the book. 
Okay, so I I could I can make a playlist on songs that are Simon. Okay. Not only because he loves music, but because okay, obviously most songs are love songs. And so this genre is gonna be very, very song heavy. Okay, so I thought that Taylor Swift's reputation would be excellent for their story. Like the entire album. Because it's about how she like in the midst of basically her worst reputation ever, like she was cancelled, like nobody liked her anymore. Yeah, she was going through a really, really hard time. But in the middle of that, she found somebody who was going to be her anchor. And she's still with him, Joe Alwyn. So because of that, I felt like this would really appeal to Simon and Blue's story. So I listened to the album while reading the book. And I came up with four songs, all from the same album, for them. So the first one is Look What You Made Me Do. This is actually for the blackmail thing. Some of the lyrics are, I don't like your perfect crime, how you laugh when you lie. You said the gun was mine, isn't cool, no, I don't like you. So this is about how basically Martin says that he doesn't know that Simon is really being affected by his blackmailing, but I think that that's a really weird thing to say because he is constantly like holding this over Simon's head physically. And, like, he's seeking Simon out physically when Simon's trying to run away from him. Yeah, he's being, like, really physically imposing and intimidating. So, which is why I thought that lyric would really, really, like, be relevant. And the second song that I thought would be relevant is Delicate. So, this song is about how, basically, somebody's reputation is really bad. And in the middle of this, she's talking to her lover, saying, I know this is weird. I know that I'm not the most... Like, I'm not the person you want to be with right now because nobody likes me. Here's a lyric that I thought that would kind of work for all the angst that Simon's constantly going through about Blue. So, is it cool that I said all that? Is it chill that you're in my head? Because I know that it's delicate. That's the chorus. And I really think that works because it's delicate, right? This is a sort of conservative town in which them being out and proud might not be necessarily accepted. And also, a lot of people in the school are not being very nice about it at all. So, I just thought this lyric would work. So, the next song that I thought would work is A King of My Heart. And so, the lyric that I thought um, would work is And all at once, you are the one I have been waiting for. King of my heart, body and soul. And all at once, you are all I want. I'll never let you go. This is really, really relevant to their entire relationship because, spoiler alert, nothing bad happens. They stay together. I'm not going to elaborate in case anybody wants to read the rest of the series, but they truly are meant for each other. I thought that lyric reminded me of them. So last song is Call It What You Want, and I love this song. This is, again, about how, you know, you can call it what you want. I'm happy. I'm doing... Better than I ever was. Because my baby's fit like a daydream. Walking with his head down. I'm the one he's walking to. So call it what you want. You can call it what you want. And we are happy. So that's the lyric. Um, All of these songs are really good. Maybe I'll create a Simon playlist. Just so I can vibe to it. I bet all of your songs in that playlist are going to be Taylor Swift songs. That's not true. I listen to other music. It's just that like she's the person I listen to the most. That's all I could, I could find you other songs. I just couldn't think of it. Okay. 
like off the top of my head. If I did more research, I would be able to find things. I don't know why I'm making this a thing to prove. <laughs> okay, so now moving on to my songs, they're considerably less than what we've got, and they are from different artists. And the first one is Ken and Barbie by Kate Gill. This is a song about like what it is to be gay and not be accepted. I know that Simon was accepted in the end, but he thought he wouldn't be accepted throughout the book because his dad had been making like gay jokes since he was a kid and he didn't know how his sisters and mom would react. And um, I'll just read a verse from it. What if he wants Ken, not Barbie? Why should he have to say sorry? Tell me, do you even listen to all the dumb stuff you're slipping? We can love who we want to. Don't say he's not supposed to. If he loves Ken, now Barbie, he doesn't have to say sorry. So there are two songs to this, actually. There's one, Barbie and Ken, and Ken and Barbie. And it's about, like, the LGBTQ community. I just thought this song really embodied how it's okay to be who you are, you know? Love who you love. Okay, my second song is Night Changes by One Direction. This is part of their fourth album, which is called Four. And I'll read the lyrics does it ever drive you crazy just how fast the night changes everything that you've ever dreamed of disappearing when you wake up but there's nothing to be afraid of even when the night changes it will never change me and you so it's like when a situation changes you're scared and afraid and you don't know what's going to happen but like the song is saying it'll never change me and you so like bram and simon they've been emailing for the past i don't know what like two, three months, and then suddenly someone starts blackmailing Simon. Suddenly, um, Bram figures out who he is, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. Basically, it won't change them, you know? They'll both still be the same people they were, and they'll both still be falling in love with each other. Okay, so moving on to the next segment. Did you feel like eating a particular dish while reading it? Or a dish that, like, embodies the book, or its mood? Oreos. Yes. He talks about Oreos so many times. So um, once they've figured out that, you know, Jacques Simon and Blue is Bram, they go on a lunch date at school. And in this lunch date, Bram brings, like, mushed up Oreos in milk. And they eat it. And my mouth was watering because it just made me want Oreos. Yeah, so Simon's kind of obsessed with Oreos, like, borderline obsessed. Yeah. In the emails that he sends Bram, he keeps talking about them. So there's this whole joke, but he's like, he lists the entire diet that a person should have, like the healthy Oreo diet. Like deep fried Oreos. I know. That sounds, that sounds gross. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I completely agree with that Oreo statement. That's one day we should just eat Oreos and read the book, you know, or watch the movie. Yeah. I First time I'm going to watch the movie, I'm going to eat Oreos and do it. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to books by the author. So... There's Leia on the Offbeat, which is the second book in the series, and that's about Leia, who is Simon's best friend. And I thought this book was really sweet. Like, it really, like, was relatable, you know? Yeah. I I really liked it because although, like, Leia's not like me much in a lot of ways, she's a teenage girl, and she can be rude to people sometimes, and I don't know, she's just really, like, real as a character, and I like that. Yeah. So the second book in the universe. So there's this, uh, there's a series which is Simon, Leia on the Offbeat, and Love Creekwood. And the universe has another book in it which is Upside of Unrequited. So 
it has like many cameos like simon comes in briefly it's abby's cousins it's about abby's cousins uh, nick also features in it but i didn't like this book i know i've mentioned this in the best books of 2021 episode but i didn't like this book i didn't feel compelled to keep reading it actually i liked it because although it was it wasn't perfect it didn't have uh, some elements it didn't have like too many original things which was kind of a little boring sometimes but otherwise there was this really interesting yeah. writing device that she used where one chapter had an up arrow and one chapter had a down arrow and somehow she would start off the character with either a happy feeling or a like sad feeling depending on how the arrow was o- oriented and i thought that was a really really interesting writing device and it kind of like portrays how versatile teenage yeah. emotions are like the heroine can go from like feeling up to feeling down in one chapter it was really cool that is true yeah uh love prequel is basically 2.5 in the series it's like a short novella which has all their emails after they go to college and i thought it was it was cute i read this while i was in school and it was an easy read i think yeah i read it in like one evening i think yeah it was i wanted to save it because it was the last taste we have of the keyword <laughs> characters because i don't think she's going to write more unless she does the nora yeah. one which we both want so it was it was nice it was really like it was a nice mushy happy ending where you know all the couples ended up together and yeah it was all nice So then there are some other books that she's written which don't ha- really have anything to do with Creekwood but are just as good. So she's written a two book so far series about two boys who meet in New York City called What If It's Us that's the first book and then she recently released a sequel called Here's to Us uh also Yes No Maybe So and Kate in Waiting. I think Yes No Maybe So is on both of our TBRs What If It's Us is definitely on mine. I think it's on mine. I'm pretty sure. And uh, basically all of them are romantic, like they're romance. So if you want to read it, go ahead. It's something that yeah. These books are something that I want to read, but I never found the time yet and maybe this year I will. Yeah. Going to the ratings, uh 4 out of 5. Uh I only give like a few books 5 out of 5 stars. And this one I really liked. It was really cute, it really stuck with me, but it wasn't one that I would give 5 stars, you know? Okay. I gave this one five out of five stars though because although even I'm kind of selective about the books I give five because they have to blow me away with their writing they can't just mm-hmm. have a good plot and a good concept and unique ideas and characters they have to be written well but even though yeah. I don't usually give that to kind of plainly written books this book was so good so rereading it was still amazing it was still cute and funny and all of the things that i liked about it the first time so 5 out of 5 okay so um hope you enjoyed this episode leave a review voice mail us email us at um the email which is shared in the description share with fellow book lovers follow also the next book we're going to be reading is to all the boys uh, i loved before by jenny han Uh, that's kind of a YA classic, so let's see what happens in that one. Neither of us have read it, so we're interested, excited to look at it. Yeah, this is actually the first book that we've done that I haven't read. Yeah, 